Friends, turn in your Bibles to the book of Philemon. And this is our closing sermon in this short letter. Philemon, and this morning we'll be looking at verses 18 through the end. Turn with me there. I don't know what's going on, but we had a sermon first hour about forgiveness. And so some of you need to hear it twice. Me. I need to hear it twice. (laughs) Uh, Let's close this letter of Philemon. We'll look at verses 17 through 25. Uh, Read God's word with me. 18 to 25, but let's start in verse 17. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Pray with me. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. We pray that this morning we would have eyes to see uh, the treasure of your word as it's been revealed to us. Illuminate it to us by the power of your spirit. Help us to walk in a way that's worthy of the calling we have in Jesus and in particular with this letter to live in light of God's grace towards us by being merciful towards one another, being forbearing and forgiving, putting up with much knowing that God has put up with so much more on our behalf. And so thank you, God, for the grace we've been shown in Jesus. May that grace also motivate us to forgive one another. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so far we have studied this letter for the last couple of weeks, and now we come uh, to a close. We come to the close of this letter, and you remember well Paul has called Philemon to forgive this runaway slave who is apparently coming back home. And so far in this letter, we have already looked at the heart of one who forgives. We saw that in verses 4 through 7, the reality that Philemon is a man who can be entrusted with the reality of forgiveness because of who he is in Jesus. Not only that, we then saw the reality of how one forgives Verses 8 through 17, there Paul gave Philemon the rubric, the standard by which he is called to forgive. What would go into forgiving Onesimus in a way that would honor the Lord Jesus? Well, one, he would have to receive Onesimus back, receive him, welcome him, bring him back into the fold of his family, receive him as he would receive even Paul, verse 12 says. Not only that, but he would have to restore him 
And so it's not just welcoming him home, but bringing him to be and to uh, have that status that maybe he never even had before, not to just welcome him as a slave, but to now welcome him as a brother. And lastly, someone would have to repay Philemon. And we saw that beautiful portrait of the gospel. We saw the reality that Paul puts upon himself the responsibility of paying back Philemon anything that Onesimus might owe him. And we kind of pick up there in verse uh, 17 and 18. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. Paul, playing this Christ-like figure, this Christ-like part, demonstrating to Philemon what true forgiveness looks like. There are plenty of consequences that go into the realities of when we offend one another and when we sin against one another, when we, when we act in ways against each other that would hurt one another. And Paul lays out this foundation for how to forgive in situations like that. Being the kind of person that would welcome a sinner back. And not only that, but welcome them like you never would have before. Ensuring that your relationship with them in the future is better than anything it ever was in the past. And certainly there is some form of payment. And even if it comes at a cost to you to be the kind of person who would put up what's required from someone else like Paul did for Onesimus. And so Paul is ready to round out this letter. He has a few final words for Philemon. And what would they be if he's pulled at Philemon's heart by saying, you have the kind of heart because of Christ to forgive, and he's given him the instructions on how to forgive. What is his final words to Philemon? I see it as being Paul giving Philemon these final words to motivate him to forgive. He has the heart to forgive, He's been given the recipe for how forgiveness works. And now Paul gives him this final motivation to forgive. And so in in sum, what I have for you are six motivations that draw from this text so that you might also forgive those in your debt. Or maybe so that you might be inspired to seek forgiveness from those to whom you are indebted. Relationships aren't easy. Friendships aren't easy. We offend each other a lot. We are easily offended. We can hold a grudge very quickly, and we can grow bitter with one another. And if you claim to be a Christian, then you do not like those kinds of things. When relationships grow sour, and when friendships grow dim, those are moments where a Christian rises up and says, I want to make this better And they understand that the pathway to doing that is forgiveness and restoration with each other. And so what should motivate us to live a life that is committed to forgiveness? If you were there first hour with Pastor Mike Riccardi, you understood in Matthew 18 that awesome parable uh, and this reality that one who forgives is truly one who has been forgiven. And that powerful parable of the unforgiving steward, unforgiving servant. It's one that reminds us just how often us who have received the grace of God in Christ, us who have claimed to know the love of Jesus and have received his forgiveness can go around and treat others in a way that is so unlike the way that Christ has treated us. God in Christ has forgiven us of everything. 
would we in turn not go out and forgive one another in the same way? What would motivate us to live in such a way? I think there's six motivations that I have for us from this text. And I want to begin with number one, taking a step back from verse 18, going back to verse 17. And the first motivation to forgiving one another is this. You don't get to choose who your brother is. You don't get to choose who your brother is. Paul writes here in verse 17, So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he's wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. What do we see here from these words of Paul? Well, we see that, again, Onesimus is coming home and he has a huge debt to pay to Philemon. Not only because he ran away, but because apparently he wronged him. And it's interesting, Paul has already highlighted the fact that Philemon has the kind of heart that is forgiving. His heart has the kind of soil that would spring forth fruit of forgiveness. And now he's already given him the pathway to that. What's the rubric for forgiving? It's receiving, it's restoring, it's restitution, repayment. So Philemon understands that. However, if Philemon's not getting the point, and Onesimus shows up, and all that bitterness begins to rise up in Philemon's heart, and Philemon begins to remember just how much he's been offended, And Philemon begins to think just how much he doesn't like this guy. Paul then puts it into perspective with these words. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Onesimus is as much a brother to Philemon as Paul is. Onesimus is just as much a brother in the Lord as Paul would be. And if Philemon, for any reason, has a doubt in terms of how he should forgive Onesimus, he simply needs to think of Paul. That's what Paul draws him back to. If it's hard for you to forgive him, just think of the forgiveness that you would offer me. You don't get to choose who you forgive. Because now, in Christ, we are all brothers and sisters united in him. And so anyone who is regarded as brother or sister is meriting of your forgiveness. You don't get to choose who your brother is. Philemon wouldn't get to tell Onesimus, no, I don't really feel like forgiving you. In fact, in receiving Onesimus, it's like seeing Paul in the flesh for him. And Paul says, if, if I offended you, if I've done anything against you, you would forgive me, wouldn't you? In the same way, you must forgive him. And I think that's important for all of us to understand because it's very easy for us to grow selective with our own forgiveness. Even as Christians, even as people who claim to know and love God, we go around and we forgive the kind of people we want to forgive. We can forgive the kind of people we think deserve our forgiveness. And so many of us forgive on the basis of who we like rather than on the basis of whom Christ loves. Christ has called you to forgive and to forgive freely, especially those who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't get to pick and choose who's deserving of it. All God's children are forgiven 
and forgivable. So the first motivating factor for us is we don't get to pick and choose who's worthy of our forgiveness. In the same way that Jesus came to forgive those who were ungodly and enemies towards him, Romans 5.10, we ought to forgive everyone freely out of the abundance of God's grace that's stored up in our hearts. You don't get to choose who your brother is. And so because of that, you don't get to choose who you forgive and who you don't forgive. Forgiveness is offered freely to those who receive it freely. A second motivating factor, you can't pay off your own debts. You don't get to choose who your brother is. And secondly, you can't pay off your own debts. You know, last time we talked about the beautiful portrait that it is of Paul stepping in for Onesimus. This runaway slave, he's got no money to his name. He's got no reputation. He's got nothing to look forward to in life except hoping that Philemon would bring him back some way, somehow. And Paul says, if he owes you anything, charge it to my account. What a beautiful portrait of the gospel that is. Paul becoming like a Jesus-like figure for Onesimus saying, credit anything that he owes you to me. I'll pay it. But notice what else he says in verse 19. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. It's something of like a cosign. Have you ever gone to buy a car? Maybe you haven't yet because you're not there yet, but some of you have. Or maybe you need to know this when you get ready for that day. You're going to go buy a car someday, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to go broke. And everybody knows that. And so when you walk in, they'll have you sign some paperwork, And then they'll say, okay, who actually has money here? And then they'll look at your parents and they say, okay, can you please sign over here? And it's a cosign. It's a a document that says, if my son who's 18 and works at Chick-fil-A can't pay for this car and then loses that job at Chick-fil-A because he forgets to say my pleasure, then I will take on the full responsibility of the debt that's owed for this car. That's not the only situation in which we see that, but it's very much like what we see here with Paul. Paul is giving his signature to some extent of this letter. And it's in a way to say, I'm writing this with my own hand. You can take me at my word. If Onesimus owes you anything, I owe you anything. And not only that, look at what he points to. I'll repay you, but listen, I haven't even mentioned yet how much you owe me. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? And it's not mean-spirited. It's not Paul being rude. It's not Paul trying to even a score or even a balance. I think Paul's giving us a, a clear perspective of how life in Christ truly works. Onesimus might owe something to Philemon materially, but Philemon owes Paul spiritually. He came to know the gospel under the ministry of this man. He came to know the gospel of Jesus Christ through the ministry of Paul, through his preaching of the word, through his exaltation of who Jesus is, his person and work. And so much more than Onesimus might owe Philemon, Paul is saying, Philemon, you owe me so much more in Jesus. If you think someone owes you, you might be forgetting how much you owe Christ to forgive that person. Someone might owe you a couple dollars. Someone might owe you a a cleanup on your reputation. Someone might owe you a, a, I don't know, anything, a sandwich. 
I don't know what someone owes you, but I know that because you claim to know the Lord Jesus, you owe that person forgiveness. Whatever it is that you might think someone is indebted to you, as someone who claims Christ, your forgiveness is tied to that which you have received in Christ. And now in that, you are called to forgive others likewise. And it's something Philemon can never fully repay. This debt that he's been given, this indebtedness he has for the sake of the gospel, those who have brought it to him, Philemon will live his whole life trying to live up to the purity and beauty of the gospel and never reaching it until eternity. And so it is for all of us. Someone owes you something. It's much better for you to reflect on what you owe God. Don't focus on what someone is indebted to you. Focus on your indebtedness to God and the people who have brought you the gospel. Paul calls Philemon to think of how indebted he is to the gospel at work in his soul. And if someone owes him something that he should be willing to forgive because he owes that much in Jesus. Now, I think that's really hard for us to think of because we don't naturally want to forgive others when we're offended. And we don't naturally think of the gospel when we're offended. I can guarantee you that when you don't desire to forgive someone, the thing that's in your mind is not Jesus and the gospel. The thing in your mind is just yourself. You can't get out of your own way, and so you're unwilling to forgive. And instead, you grow bitter, you grow sour. And lack of forgiveness, it's rooted in a selfishness that instead of looking to Christ, only can see its own self as an offended party. I'm going to assume that when you wake up in the morning to pour yourself a bowl of cereal, um, you you check that milk container to make sure that thing's not expired, right? Um, Have you ever had expired milk? And have you ever seen what that looks like? Have you ever tasted what that tastes like? Okay, that's disgusting. You went too far. So you, you shouldn't have done that. However, you understand how milk gets sour, right? It's not just that it has an expiration date. It's that it, it sits there for a long time past the point in which it's useful. And so many of us can be that way in our hearts when it comes to forgiving someone else. We rather let things fester in our hearts. We rather let our heart rot away with bitterness and anger towards someone else than to forgive them. We rather go cold at someone and we, we rather ourselves be right in anger than be righteous before God. That's how we think of others. And instead of reflecting on the fact that we haven't ever paid up our debts like we ought, and that we should be willing to forgive others, we get so consumed in how we think we're right and we're offended that we neglect forgiving others as we should. Philemon owes Paul much for the gospel. How much, he can't ever repay. But at the very least, forgiveness to Onesimus. If you call yourself a Christian, at the very least, you owe it to others to forgive them like you have been forgiven. Never never sacrifice your identity in Christ for quarrels that pale in comparison to his glory. We owe far more to Jesus than anyone ever owes to us. And so offer forgiveness because you have freely been given forgiveness. 
Number three, a motivating factor to forgive. Not only have you not chosen who your brother is, you can't pay off your own debts and you haven't, but also, number three, and looking here at verse 20, you bless others when you forgive. You bless others when you forgive. Look at verse 20. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. It's beautiful because, again, Paul is calling Philemon back to being who he is. Now, I know the world says be true to yourself, and what they mean by that is live however you want and do whatever you want, and however you feel in the moment, do that. I would say it's okay to be true to yourself if in being true to yourself, you are in Christ. And that's who Philemon is. And Paul calls him to that. Refresh my heart in Christ. Be true to yourself because I already know this to be true of you in Jesus. We see it in verse 7. He's already talked about this. I've derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Philemon, you already are such a blessing to the people around you. Don't spoil it now by being angry at this guy that you ought to forgive. Philemon, you're such a blessing to the church You're such a testimony of what love looks like. You're such a testimony of what grace looks like. You're such a testimony of what it looks like to be united to God's people. Don't throw it all away by not forgiving this brother. And I wonder if that's something that you have to assess in your own heart. People can look at your life and think that you're a great Christian. But when they come in and they see in the contours of your heart a lack of forgiveness... Everything else falls so short of demonstrating that you're a true believer, like forgiveness. And so if they look into your heart and they see that there's this unwillingness to forgive, what kind of Jesus can you possibly claim to know? If in your heart you're always bitter towards someone, you always hold on to a grudge, you're always so easily offended, and you can't possibly ever get past what people do or say to you, What kind of Jesus can you possibly claim to love? It can't be the same Jesus that going to the cross looks around and sees the people that are hurting him and says, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. If that's your Jesus, you ought to forgive like him, recognizing that as you do so, it's a refreshment to everyone around you. When you forgive like Jesus, it isn't just that you're reconciled with another person. It's that you're demonstrating what a true church looks like. So many Christians or so many people that come to church, number one thing they say that they never want to come back. It's full of hypocrites. So many people who they say they believe in this, they say that they do this, they say they do that, and then they do something else. You know, more important than getting everything right all the time would be that the church repent like they should that God's people would forgive like they should. We're going to get it wrong a lot. You're going to say things you shouldn't say a lot. You're going to do things you shouldn't do a lot. And you're going to offend each other in ways that you shouldn't a lot. I hope that in the midst of all those things, forgiveness is granted so that God's people would be refreshed by the testimony of Christ in your heart. Live up to who you are in Jesus and forgive already. 
If you've claimed Christ, forgive like Christ. Not only for the sake of the relationship that needs to be restored between you and another person, but for the sake of the refreshment it is to all of God's people who are watching. The testimony of the church is that we are one. We are united. God's people exist as one. Don't ruin that for the sake of your own pride, your own bitterness, your own selfishness. Like Christ, count others as more significant than yourselves and be willing to restore that relationship for the sake of God's people. You bless the church when you forgive. Number four, fourth motivation to forgive, you walk in obedience when you forgive. You walk in obedience when you forgive. Verse 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. It's interesting, right? Because we've already looked at the reality that Paul doesn't come into this letter with this uh, sense of, let me tell Philemon what to do. Let me push him around. Verse 8 of Philemon. Accordingly, though I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. And verse 10, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. And so Paul comes in with this very gracious tone, not telling Philemon what to do, but asking him. And I think that's really helpful because now Philemon has a responsibility. And if Philemon is going to obey, and if Paul is expecting him to obey, he's made it very clear it's not obeying Paul. And that's true for all of us. When we forgive, it's not an act of obedience towards any person in this room or any church leader or any pastor. When we forgive, it's an act of obedience unto Christ. If you want help seeing that, we can look throughout the scriptures. Matthew 6, 15. If you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. In Matthew 18, which was read today, the reason for that parable is Peter coming in like a hotshot because he always thinks he's the best. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? What do you think, like seven times? That's kind of noble, right, Jesus? If I forgave someone seven times, I think I'm pretty good. And Jesus, I don't know if he rolled his eyes. I would have, but Jesus is holy, so maybe he didn't. I don't say to you seven times, but I say seven times, 70 times. I say to you 490 times. And it's not a math equation for you to go, okay, let me count every time I forgave that person. It's Jesus' way of saying, you can't forgive enough. There is no limit to forgiveness. You ought to forgive all the time. Anytime you feel offended, be willing to forgive. Luke 6, 37, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Ephesians four thirty two. Paul in the authority of Jesus says, be kind to one another, tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians, which we studied recently, Colossians 3.8, but now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. And instead, you should bear with one another and forgive one another. 
Hebrews 12, 14 to 15. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. For by it, many become defiled. You have a responsibility, not to men, but to God to forgive. You have an obligation, not to me or anyone else in this room, but to the Lord Jesus to forgive. And if you claim to know and love Jesus, then you will walk in that love that obeys him and his word, and you will forgive. And the beauty of it here is Paul recognizes if Philemon were to obey me, there would be a certain limit to how he could forgive. If I were to tell him what I think he should do, then he'd do that. But when you forgive God, there's not really a limit to how far you can go in forgiving, is there? Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. That's awesome. Philemon is called to forgive out of love, and love knows no bounds. Many question what happens to Onesimus after he comes back. And there isn't a certain answer, but there is some historical evidence to point to the fact that it's very likely that Onesimus comes back home. He's brought back in. And it's actually thought that he's freed up of his responsibility as a slave and instead later on becomes the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Love can do that. Forgiveness can do that. It wasn't required. Philemon wasn't required to free this man and to let him go off and do ministry however he saw fit, but love did that. And if you claim to know the love of God, And if you claim to have experienced the love of God, you too ought to forgive out of an obedience to that love. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. How does God forgive? God forgives in a way in which he removes sin as far as the east is from the west. Pray that you would do the same. In obedience to him, I pray that you would forgive in a way that sins are, and the offenses of others are stored far away from your heart. And instead of keeping those things close and allowing them to cause bitterness to settle into your heart, like Jesus, you would remove them far away from you, obeying this law of love that Jesus has given us in the gospel. Obedience unto him, not anyone else. Motivation number five, motivation number five. As this letter draws to a close, there's an interesting little line here, and it's thought to be, some people think this is incredibly just random, but I don't think anything in the Bible is random. In fact, we we said there's no luck, there's providence. So I think this is providential, and I think it's helpful for us to see it. Here in verse 22, Paul seems to make this shift from, Forgive, 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 and hey, by the way, can you set up that room? I'm actually going to visit you sometime soon. Verse 22, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me. I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. And I think here Paul is recognizing and even pointing at the kind of person Philemon is. Maybe you remember the verse in James 5, 16. 
The prayers of a righteous man avails much. The prayers of the righteous man have great power as they are working. And so Paul is calling Philemon to pray for his release from prison. And he's also saying, prepare a guest room for me, which seems to mean Paul thinks I'm going to ask him to pray and I know that I'll be delivered. So set up the room. I'm coming. He's so optimistic about the reality of being set free and going to visit Philemon. And so what he, in some sense, what we get from that is Paul is kind of saying, Philemon, I know you are a righteous man. I know that in asking you to pray for me, I'm asking for someone who prays with power because he's righteous. So prepare a guest room for me and pray that I'll be graciously given to you. And so in some sense, he's pointing to the righteousness in Philemon's heart. But I think you can also see something that's happening here, something that would motivate Philemon to forgive. If the Apostle Paul sent you a letter and told you to forgive someone else, and then said, hey, by the way, I'm coming to your house, and that guy that I sent that you were going to forgive, I'm going to see how everything's going. What would you do? I think you'd forgive. If you knew Paul was coming to visit your house, you would do what Paul required, or you would do what Paul asked, I should say. And so I think there's something here about accountability. Paul and Desiring to visit Philemon, he makes this man accountable to him. He's not an overbearing leader, but he is a loving pastor. And he's not threatening to visit so that he can check in on this. But I would imagine that Philemon, in reading these words, and knowing that Paul says he's coming, and knowing that Paul feels good about the reality of him coming, Philemon's going to say, he's going to have to find Onesimus far better then he came here. I'm going to have to do this because Paul's going to check in. I think that's good for us, and that's good for you. If you have issues with anyone, whether it be someone in this room, someone in your family, someone at your school, someone on your sports team, someone that's difficult to forgive, it's good for others to know that, and it's good for others to keep you accountable in that. Let people check in with you. Let people know what's going on in your life and in your home. Let people know what's going on in your heart. And let people have the freedom to check in and know how you're responding in faith to Christ. Prepare a guest room for me. It's not a threat. This is just a call to fellowship. But in it, I think Philemon is reminded, when Paul comes, he should find me doing what's righteous. He should find me doing the right thing. And so it is for all of you. You're accountable not just to each other. You have leaders in this ministry. You have pastors at this church. And it's good for us to know what's going on in your life so that together all of us can strive after Christ in unity. One final appeal and one final motivation to forgive. We are to forgive because we don't get to choose who our brother is. Uh, We don't ever pay off our own debts like we should. We're a blessing to the church when we forgive. We walk in obedience when we forgive. We're accountable to our leaders when we forgive. And lastly, you're to forgive because you are a product of grace. You are to forgive because you are a product of grace. His final greeting here, verse 23, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. 
and so do Mark and Aristarchus and Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. Don't, don't know if you remember, but in Colossians there was a guy named Justice. And like I told you, he's forgotten. He's not even mentioned here. These men, they know Philemon, they know his testimony, and they add to the accountability that Paul has with Philemon. It's not just Paul that knows this situation. It's not just Paul that knows Philemon's heart. So do these other men. And everyone now is watching to see what will Philemon do. And here, as Paul is finally motivating Philemon to this great act of forgiveness, there's one final point that he needs to make that will draw Philemon to forgive as he ought. In verse 25, we read, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Anyone who forgives is a person empowered by the grace of Christ to forgive. Anyone who freely gives forgiveness unto someone who's offended them is someone who's freely received forgiveness from the Lord Jesus. And so what's that final motivating factor that Philemon needs in order to forgive this runaway slave as he comes back home? A man who's defrauded him of much. A man who's robbed him of of much. A man who has run away and is owed much punishment and much justice. What should Philemon look to to forgive this man as he ought? The grace of the Lord Jesus. A grace he didn't deserve. A grace that he didn't earn. A grace that when he walked to heaven's door, he should have been denied entry, but instead, because of Jesus, he'll be permitted to walk in and he'll be told, well done, good and faithful servant, not because he's done anything to earn that, but because Jesus stepped in to take his sins. Jesus stepped in to forgive his debts. Jesus stepped in to pay the penalty he couldn't pay. Jesus stepped in to do the very thing he couldn't do. Jesus stepped in to be righteousness for him when he couldn't be righteousness for himself. If you have a trouble forgiving anyone, look to Jesus who's forgiven you. This is Paul's final call to Philemon to forgive. It reminds me so much of these words that we see In Colossians, you can turn with me there. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is the picture of forgiveness. Not only that Jesus has extended to us, but that we are called to extend to one another. If bitterness exists in your heart towards someone else, if you're still holding on to a grudge towards someone else, if you're still angry at someone else, if you're still allowing that offense to take root in your heart and swell up and sour your soul, you're not walking in light of this truth. Jesus took your sin and he forgave it. He took the payment that you owed him with your very life 
and he paid it. He took your debt and he canceled it. He took your sins and he set them aside, nailing it to the cross. Are you to tell me that if God has loved you in that way and that you claim to love him in return, you can't do the same for one another? The gospel of Jesus has made it possible for us to do so. The gospel of Jesus has made it possible for us not only to have perfect union with God, but also to seek peace, reconciliation, and restoration with each other. And if you want to show that you truly love the Lord Jesus and that you live in light of the new creation that you are, then you will strive for peace, unity, and forgiveness with one another. The final motivation that Philemon needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing inspires forgiveness quite like Jesus. And so if Philemon is to forgive, we can boil it down to this. Philemon then needs to be like Christ. And the call is the same for you. If you are to be someone who lives and loves forgiveness, then you are to be someone who knows and loves the Lord Jesus. Pray with me. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, God, that our sins have been paid for. Thank you that forgiveness has been granted to us. Thank you that in the gospel of your Son, we have been offered free grace. And God, in the same power of grace that we've been given, would you enable us to forgive others? Help us to see that a a sure sign of our love for you is how we love each other and that love extends itself out oftentimes in being the kind of person that forgives. There are many offenses to go around. There are many times where people will hurt us. There are many times where people will disappoint us. And those kinds of things will follow us every day of this life. And yet, Lord, you have given us power to overcome those things by forgiving in the same way that you've forgiven us. Thank you for your grace and empower us and enable us to be like you. Forgiving not from compulsion, but forgiving from the heart because we have seen and because we love the Lord Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.